Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. time alone with God, you can hear it. He wants to set us all on fire, and I'm standing up right now talking to you, and I got my arms in the air. There are the ways that we, we, we are to be with others, especially who are struggling, and to walk with them in ways that lead them into a deeper experience of their faith. Welcome to I Thought You'd Like to Know This, a program featuring some very interesting people who may have a message for you. Welcome to I Thought You'd Like to Know. I'm your host standing in for Bob Olson, Carlos Bursabe. We have another interesting guest for today's show, Mr. David Beach. He is the CEO of Fairfax Data Systems. Systems, who is also a former Mustang, meaning prior enlisted, Marine, Franciscan tertiary, entrepreneur, speaker, coach, and author. And I thought you'd like to know that Mr. David Cease is launching a new show called Purified by Fire, which will start airing on 23 February and will continue airing every Friday at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This show will be a coaching program to help Catholics bring peace, love, and joy in life, work, and relationships. But before we go any further, David, would you like to lead us in an opening prayer? Yes, Carlos, I'd love to. Um, Let's begin with the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, help us to bring out your word in this radio station. Help us to be the instrument in which your word comes out and touches the hearts of people, touches their minds and their intellect. O guardian angel of mine, please talk to the other guardian angels who are listening. Tell them to touch the hearts and minds of those that are there. We ask this through through our Lord Jesus Christ in his name. We ask that, as we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Archangel St. Gabriel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. Welcome, and uh, how are you doing today, brother? Good. I'm doing great. So, what you got going on today other than uh, coming on to this show? Well, um, Saturdays for us uh, is pretty much a chore day for our family, so we do a lot of chores. Um, and then uh, Sundays for us is a day of rest, so we relax, go to bath and everything. So, days of doing a lot of chores doing things around the house, um, and helping my wife out with that. That's awesome, and I, I saw that picture that you sent me of your family. You have a lot of wonderful-looking children, so you have a lot of wonderful <laughs> help, I'm assuming, for chore day. Yes, we do, um, except minus one. My oldest is in college at uh, Franciscan uh, University of Newville. Um, so we do miss him um, a lot, uh, Joseph. Shout out to him. Uh, but the other five are there. Um, and my one son just got his driver's license, so he's all excited. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so uh, I have a lot of experience on driving. Um, so, but uh, yes, they they do. Uh, they, you know, you also get your uh, share fair share of complaints. Um, but it's it's it, the whole thing is joyful um, because you're there with the kids enjoying them while you have them, as well as teaching them how to work hard and, um, and play hard as well. Absolutely. 
So we're already going in that direction. Uh, so I want to start getting to know you a little bit better and making sure that our audience gets to know you a little bit better too. Uh, you might. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I'd like to first, you know, begin with um, a little history of myself, and then go into my I would call a reversion, um, and then um, and then what inspired me for uh, Purified by Fire. So the first is uh, a little bit about me. Um, I was um, I'm actually Korean. I was born in Seoul, Korea, in 1970. Uh, just you know, if you think about it, that was only 17 years after the Korean War. Uh, so Korea uh, at that time, and I know it's on the uh, map everywhere now because of the whole North Korea and because also the Olympics, um, but it was a third world country. South Korea was a very third world country, a lot of chaos. Uh, think of the Iraq war and Afghanistan. Uh, the war's been over now for almost about 17 years, um, and so it's still in a, uh, a nation of chaos. Um, it was, that's how Korea was at that time. So um, because of that, I was uh, you know, adopted uh, at the age of five. I lived in an orphanage and was adopted um, by a wonderful family in New Jersey. Um, and the first taste of Catholicism was my mother's Catholic, so we were raised Catholic. Um, and uh, I was baptized. I was five years old. Uh, my sister is my godmother. Um, and, uh, and there I went to Catholic school for a while. Um, then... Uh, you know, I wanted to be a, a, a Marine. Actually, I wanted to be a, a soldier. I wanted to go to West Point until my brother went in the Marine Corps, and I saw him graduate at Paris Island, and I said, that's for me. And uh, <laughs> so I went there and uh, enlisted right after high school. Um, went to Paris Island myself. And then I decided I wanted to be an officer of Marines. So I applied for the ROTC program, and uh, I got accepted, went to Villanova University, uh, where I met my beautiful wife, um, who is the mother of my six children. And then uh, eventually um, uh, I was commissioned as an officer, and she traveled with me for five years uh, from Quantico, Virginia, to Georgia, to uh, California, and then back to Quantico, Virginia. Um, and it would be the second tour at Quantico, Virginia that would go through my conversion. Um, but I'm going to leave that until I finish my little history of myself. Um, so after uh, my conversion uh, in 1999, I left the Marine Corps and started an IT consulting firm with, um, you know, my wife. And it grew. Uh, you, you know, like anyone else who has a business out there, you run into challenges, um, and it's very difficult. But uh, through my faith as well, um, it helped me out, um, and uh, we were able to grow it uh, to a multi-million dollar level. Um, I love working with uh, my employees. I have employees that are international. I've got employees that are domestic, um, and we're all over the United States. We control a lot of systems for the government, believe it or not. I always tell people, if you get a ticket in the state of Connecticut, that's our system. And yes, I can delete it, but no, I won't because ethically and morally wrong. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's uh, so we we did that, um, and then. Um, uh, that my uh, one of my greatest achievements that I've done so far is recently is I've become a Franciscan tertiary, a third order of the Franciscans of the Immaculate. Um, so um, I follow a rule. Uh, so a little history about St. Francis. He created three orders. The first order, which are um, uh, friar brothers um, and uh, priests. And then you, the second order, uh, which was created by St. Francis and uh, St. Clair, which was the sisters, uh, Franciscan sisters. And then he created the third order, which is called the Brother, Brother and Sisters of Penance, which was an order or rule set for um, secular people. So great famous, uh, there's a lot of great uh, secular Franciscans or uh, tertiaries. Um, St. Therese's father was one, uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, you know, great other saints as well. So um, that, that's a little history of myself, and, and right now I'm excited to start Purified by Fire. This is a new ministry for me that I'm trying to do uh, and help people um, bring um, peace, love, and joy in their heart through the Catholic Church. So, so what's the bird's-eye view of that show? Oh, the bird's-eye view? Um, so the bird's-eye view of the, the show is really to kind of start out with 
a question and a uh, or an interlude, a brief uh, you know question that people have in their daily lives, um, and then transitioning into a story that really hopefully will resonate to the day-to-day life um, and challenges or joys or whatever it is of, uh, of everyday life. Um, and then going from there to seeing how from that story, and these two stories will be true stories. Most of them will be based off of my own stories, my own experience, but I'll bring other people in uh, and other stories as well and share them so that we can resonate with that and then going into how the Catholic Church and their view has helped this situation out. Because I think a lot of people need to know how um, the Catholic Church is practical in the day-to-day living, that it's not just this bunch of rituals or esoterical thinking, but really there to concretely help you with your work, whether it be your job, whether it be uh, you're an entrepreneur or businessman or woman, um, or it's relationships, dealing with your family, dealing with your friends uh, or your coworkers. Um, uh, and then in the process of all that, you become holy. That's, that's the neat thing about it is that um, you, know, you get the benefits from a, a worldly standpoint, but you also become holy in that process. So will you be having callers for your show? Is it going to be a live show? Yes. So uh, um, it will be a live show. Um, I hope that uh, people do call in. Um, it will make it a lot more dynamic, as well as it will help people uh, with, their, with some of the issues or problems and how the Catholic Church can actually help them grow. If, uh, if our listeners out there were curious to see where they could find some more information, are you also on social media um, web page or anything like that? Uh, yeah. So currently right now um, I have an Instagram account. I have a Facebook account um, and it's called uh, uh, purified.fire. Both of the Instagram handle as well as the um, Facebook handle are both the same. So it's purified.fire. Um, my website uh, is in um, development right now, and hopefully it will be launched in the next uh, three to four weeks. That's awesome. And how did you come about uh, being connected with WCAT Radio? So um, WCAT Radio uh, was uh, introduced to me by um, Jason. Uh, he's one of the speakers. Uh, I, I think he does the, uh, the Glories of Our Lady. Um, he is actually uh, an MIM member, which is basically he's, he is uh, eventually going to become a tertiary, or at least that's, I think, his, his path is. So he belongs to our Senegal, um, Franciscan Senegal group, and he's just instrumental in explaining the uh, Our Lady. And so I approached him, um, and I said to him, you know, I'd like to really uh, see if I could be on the radio for this Purified by Fire. And he knows me pretty well, and he just said, that'd be great. And so he introduced me to Dr. Mahfoud, and uh, from there he, uh, uh, um, you know, continued there. That's really awesome. I I tell you, reading a little bit about you, I got to see a YouTube video of you. Uh, You were speaking to uh, Harvard Business, uh, help me out, Harvard Business something or other? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it was basically uh, at the uh, uh, Harvard uh, Business Center or business, at Harvard uh, at the uh, for the um, Harvard Business School, um, um, and they invited I would say 160 fellow entrepreneurs. Um, it was amazing. Um, you know, I, I got to share you. You know, I, I, when I first started my business, um, a lot of people said, you know what, it's a doggy dog world. Uh, there are, um, you know, people are evil. You're going to have to have this, you know, really um, you know, cold shoulder and everything. And I'm not saying that I haven't faced my challenges with people, but I would say all in all, most of the people I've met um, are are pretty faithful people and honest people. Um, you know, I just um, – and don't get me wrong. I've had my fair share of challenges. Um, I had an employee who bezeled uh, close to about $100,000 from me. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, imagine that. Um, and he was my employee for eight years. He was almost like a brother to me. Um, and then to find out that he was embezzling uh, over $100,000. That's actually what was um, identified by the forensic accountants. 
Uh, there was tons of others that he was doing that they just said it could be or could not be. So minimally, it was $100,000. But wow. you learn, yeah. It's, um, but all in all, most people are very faithful. And amongst these entrepreneurs, a lot of them had personal stories that really, really touched me very much. And, and that was one of the reasons for Purified by Fire, because there is such a need for, for uh, help spiritually as well. Um, you know, uh, because every job kind of has this occupational, I call them spiritual occupational hazards. Yeah, I tell you, and that's one of the, one of the things when I first started talking to you uh, that I found very uh, interesting about the premise of your show. One of the things that I think is lacking uh, in the in the church today, not necessarily like hierarchical, but just the culture of is the in, in the United States anyways is a sense of accompaniment where you're walking and journeying and you know, using your words coaching and mentoring um, other people in the faith and that's to me very huge in the realm of evangelization um, you bring a lot of humanity back to our faith in that you're showing your willingness to journey with other people out there and to bring them closer to our Lord. That, that's really awesome. That's, I think that's a pretty unique look at, uh, at our faith. So, um, now, you mentioned spiritual occupational hazards. So what do you mean by that, and how does your show address that? Well, so, you know, to, um, you know that's a great question. Um, so I'm going to, you know, um, uh, answer that by kind of giving you a taste of uh, what the show is going to be like, all right? So the first thing would be a question, right? The question is, um, or, or a brief you know, introduction to it, and the first is that we all know that there's um, occupational hazards. Um, you know, anyone out there who is a contractor, you know, working on buildings or construction, uh, a lot of blue-collar type jobs have that. Uh, believe it or not, white-collar jobs also have occupational hazards with uh, metacarpal tunnel syndrome and, and everything else. Um, but do you know, and, and, and we, and with these physical occupational hazards, we put a lot of safety gear and we focus on it. So we have headphones, we have glasses, we wear, uh, you know, um, suits that protect us. But the one thing that we um, have to be aware of is Every job also has spiritual occupational hazards that can destroy your family. Just like physical uh, uh, um, hazards can destroy a person and possibly the family financially, uh, spiritual occupational hazards will also destroy your family. So are you aware of those spiritual hazards? And if you are, those are, those are the things that uh, are, you know, we're going to be talking about. So can you give me an example of... Uh a, one spiritual occupational hazard that maybe we could uh, talk about on the show today. That way the listeners out there get a, uh, a richer taste of what this show is going to be about. Yes, I, I'd love to. Uh, first, I'd I, I like to start talking about story because part of my, my radio station, I'm going to have to talk about real-life story. So I'd like to share this story and this experience uh, that happened to uh, – uh, actually, it's an experience that happened to a friend of mine, but – um, I was having a conversation with him. About 15 years ago, I was doing prison ministry at a maximum security prison, and, um, you know, we were sharing the Bible, and we were, you know, doing a lot of uh, Catholic sharing and teaching the prisoners about the Catholic faith. And so one of the volunteers there, he was an elderly man, 70 years old, um, you know, very um, unassuming kind of a thing, person. And so I came up to him and I asked him, I said, hey, how did you get interested in doing prison ministry? And he just mentioned, you know, that a friend of his introduced him. And so we started talking to him. And as an entrepreneur, I, I'm always asking people, well, what did they do as a job or what did they do, you know, as a profession? It's just a habit that I, I do. So I asked him, I said, so what, um, what do you do as an occupation? And he said, well, I'm retired. And I said, oh, Okay. I said, what did you do then when you were, um, you know, uh, you know, did, you know, when he said, well, I used to be uh, uh, vice executive president of this very, you know, famous corporation that's locally here in Connecticut, about 2,000 people. And I was like, wow, 
that's pretty amazing. I said, um, why did you retire? And he shared me a story. And he said, when he, the last time he worked at this place, he was an executive vice president. Now, I don't know if you know what an executive vice president is, but it's a person who is really second in command of that business. Okay? So he's second in command of this business. If the CEO dies, he's the next person to take that line. You know, from a military person, that's how you can kind of see that. So um, that's how powerful he is. That's how, you know, um, you know, position, the position that he's in. Also, he was making a lot of money, you know, seven-digit figures, high seven-digit figures. And the position like that, you're not making just, you know, 100000 200000 You're making in the millions of dollars. So um, um, like anything else in life, when you're in a high position like that, you have to whine and die and you're vice presidents and directors and everything. So he proceeded to say that he invited all his vice presidents to dinner. There was, I, I believe there were like 10 of them. And um, that evening he had dinner with these uh, uh, presidents, uh, vice president, I'm sorry, um, and had a nice time. And as the last door, um, as he shut the door on the last guest that left, he looked at his wife and he said to his wife, did you see that? And his wife said, no, I didn't see anything. And he said, all of those vice presidents were on their second and third wives. Second and third wives. They were all, so a lot of these vice presidents were in their 50s, and most of those um, uh, wives were in their early, mid to late 20s. They were 30 years younger. And he said to his wife, I can't do this anymore. This is, I cannot do this anymore. I'm afraid I would be falling into that same trap. And within a week, he wore, uh, filled out his retirement papers, submitted it, and retired within a month. And it was a, it was a shock to, the, to his community because he was, um, he was a shining star. And his goal was to become CEO of some very large companies here. So, but he knew the occupational hazard and the spiritual hazard. And he made a decision. He said, I don't want to be like that. I want to be a faithful husband with my children. Now, that story is very dramatic, okay? And I, you know, certainly empathize with that. Um, why is, what's the spiritual occupational hazard for him? And he knows it, and I do too, as being a, uh, an owner and CEO of you know, a multi-million dollar company as well as um, having employees. And that is when you're in a powerful position, um, people look up to you. Uh, people look up to you. You are um, whatever you say, the way that you behave, you, in essence, become a minor little celebrity to that community. So you've got to be very careful in how you behave. But it also becomes very easy to manipulate people. Um, you, you know, there's a whole movement called Me Too right now with all the abuse that's going on, and that's because they were in a place of power. And so the spiritual occupational hazard is you have this power, and you have this ability to influence people. The second spiritual uh, hazard is that you're constantly hiring young people, and that includes women. And so now that these young women are coming in, and you're 40 or 50 years old, there's that great temptation for these young women to look at you almost like a pseudo-demigod, you know. Um, and so it's even easier to manipulate them. Okay, and it's, and it's easy for these women to think they really do love you or like you. Okay, so and that has happened to me. Okay, um, I have, I make sure that you know just like you have um, physical occupational hazards that you put headphones on your your um, you know or you put uh, ear blockers or um, to protect your ears that I keep a distance from that. I make a rule that I don't hug uh, uh, women uh, in my office unless it's a dire, dire, extreme issue. Um, but I try to make a rule that, that you know, there's a distance. 
Um, we don't talk about um, uh, topics, certain topics. So you create these spiritual protections because there are these spiritual uh, occupational hazards. The biggest one, though, that affects me the most was I was struggling with um, issues where I would come home and I would bring my work home with me. And what I mean by that is not literally, not you know, my you know, work, but in a sense that my frustrations and angers at work I would bring home. And I would take it out on my, my kids and my wife. And two influences that really helped me out with, with that was one was my father. Because I had to do a lot of reflection. You know, one of the things that the Catholic Church really teaches is meditation and reflection. Okay? Meditation and reflection is so important because it helps us really, you know, think about the past so that we can learn and change our way to the future. And so one of the things I was reflecting on was my father. My father, what, you know, is, is the greatest father that any, any person could have. And he would come home, and he never got angry. And I know he went through the same sufferings as I did at work. And so I, I called him up. I said, Dad, how did you come home not being angry and frustrated and bring that stuff home? And he said to me, he said, David, you've got to keep your work at home. You've got to, I mean, sorry, at, at work. You've got to keep your work at, at, at work so that when you come home, everything's a fresh start. Well, you know, I, I talked to my dad and I said, well, that's easier said than done. You know, I come home, I'm kind of jittery and I'm high-wired. You know, how do you do that? And he couldn't really answer that question, you know, until I went to confession. I went to confession and um, like all good um, uh, penance, uh, you know, I go to confession at least uh, every other week. That's a part of the roles of a Franciscan tertiary. And, uh, but I always did that regardless. Um, is, uh, so I was constantly repeating the same issues over and over again until um, one day a priest said, you know, did you ever think about before you go and enter into this house, relax, say a prayer, take all of your frustration and give it to God and bind it there. And I said, no, I, I never thought about that. He said, just do that. So I learned to create, make a resolution because part of growing in, in spirituality is creating resolutions to change. So I made a positive resolution that said, before I enter that room into my house, I'm going to relax my body, go into meditation mode, offer it up, you know, get all my frustrations, bundle it up, offer it to Christ, and become that new man when I enter into that uh, house. And since I've been doing that, I have less friction with my kids. Those are the spiritual occupational hazards. All that frustration, everything that goes on. And actually, I have more um, that I can talk about, but I know this is just an introductory piece of it right now. But there are so many that can touch people's lives because of these spiritual occupational hazards that we bring home to our relationships. Because our relationships in our office are not the same with our children, with our wives. Our wives are not our secretaries. Our wives are not our, you know, um, maids. Our lives are not, um, and our kids are not our employees. Okay, so they can't, they're not able to explain things accurately. So you've got to be more patient with them. Okay, and you can't fire your kids. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, sometimes we feel like we might want to, but, uh, but especially when you get teenagers. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the big thing is, is that um, this is where virtue really comes into play, and love really goes into it um, because um, changing yourself and, and um, to love them is the road to holiness, is the road to sanctity. That's what perfection and holiness is all about, changing yourself so that you can be a great impact to your kids. 
um, and, and doing that. Um, last, uh, spiritual hazard, but there's a lot more, um, and I'll make this a topic on my uh, Purified by Fire, is um, I travel a lot. Um, I cannot explain how much I travel. So um, I do, um, and because uh, some of it is to wine and dine and do all these crazy things, um, uh, you know, to impress customers or other entrepreneurs or partners, we go to fancy restaurants um, and, uh, you know, and you do that. So you're used to this, you know, very um, uh, good food, uh, very good, um, you know, places to stay in hotels, um, you know, that's making the bed for you. Um, you know, you have this, you know, great dinner, uh, good conversation. Um, and then you come home and your wife, says, your wife is saying, all right, the le- leftovers is what you got for dinner. And um, uh, don't forget to... Uh, you know, make your bed, and uh, oh yeah, do homework for uh, do homework with your kids, and she's barking orders at you, um, and uh, and and you're forced to do all these, you know, make your bed and 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 having leftovers. That's a big spiritual hazard because, you know, it's very easy to be tempted to say, well, you know what, I can quit all of this, I can leave all of this, and just keep living this lap of luxury. Um, but every day I come home with a smile and say. That's this is my life. This is this is what I want. And what what my safety gear, believe it or not, is the Catholic Church is teaching on poverty, spiritual poverty. It is so important. Okay, the things that I do at work, I do at work. You know, and I have to do it. Um, just like uh, uh, Saint. Um, Thomas More, he was Chancellor of England. I'm sure he went to very fancy, you know, dinner wearing gold and everything else. But when he went home, he knew poverty of spirit. Uh, spirit. He knew that that's all that the world has to offer. And then when he came home, he was spiritually poor. And so having that mindset of uh, spiritual poverty is a safety gear to transition you back to home so that when you're given the leftovers to eat or when you have to make your bed, you can say to yourself, uh, this is spiritual poverty. All that stuff that, uh, that the world has given me at work doesn't mean anything. What really matters the most is my family, and I want to show them the value of spiritual poverty. So that's, that's really the... Uh, uh, the lesson here and how we can make these safe uh, environment for us, in, in essence, right? It's, it's that uh, eyeglasses that protect our eyes or, or the earmuffs that help protect our ears. Those spiritual um, teachings that the Catholic Church gives us helps us to protect us from those spiritual occupational hazards that are out there. So yeah, when you, I'm, I'm hoping that... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Carl. Also, uh, when you when you mentioned that uh, the first, the initial story, it reminded me of the uh, bib- the Bible quote of uh, you know gaining the world but losing your life. So it's one of those things to where like uh, being in the military. So you you stayed in for how long active duty? Uh, over five years, about six years. Five or six years. I'm on my thirteenth, uh, and it was a real struggle for me. Um, you know, thinking about whether or not I was going to stay or whether or not I was going to go. Because um, there's a lot of expectation, uh, especially with the current culture in the Air Force anyways, of either you go up or you're out, meaning either you promote or you're done. And, I'm not, you know, it's not that I don't have any ambition or anything like that, but being able to find that balance, like what do you value more? Do you value your career more? Or do you value your family more? And if you say, well, I want to succeed so I can do better for my family. Well, when is enough enough? How many hours in a day, how many days in a month, and in, in a year are you going to be away from your family so that you can, you know, achieve those goals? And, you know, whether you're a businessman or, for me, in the military, one of the things that I saw as an occupational hazard 
um, and I'm sure you see it too on your travels, is whenever you're gone, I mean, you know, there's people out there that struggle with their homosexuality. Well, as a married man, I, I still struggle with my heterosexuality, meaning that I have to uh, live chastely. They, if a lot of people, they don't, uh, they, they won't admit it, um, maybe, but when you're when your eyes are looking around, you have to make sure that they don't wander too far, um, and you have to make sure that when you look at another human being, you see them uh, as a human being and not, uh, you know, an object of sexual gratification. Well, when you're in a high stress environment. Like, say, for example, I just came back from a year-long deployment to the Middle East. A lot of people deal with stress in different ways. And, yeah, I mean, occupational hazard, you're doing something virtuous, I think, by defending your country, but you could be leading yourself down an unvirtuous path uh, by doing something that people would find uh, acceptable over in that environment. And that's you have to be countercultural. That that's tough. Uh, the, I think that your show, um, like I said, really brings a, a sense of humanity, that accompaniment that uh, is lacking in, uh, to a certain degree in today's culture, uh, especially in uh, the American, uh, in the church in America. So, going back to something that you said with regards to your show. What are the types of questions um, do you expect regarding uh, regarding your topics? Um, you know, my I, I I don't have that many expectations in a sense of that. You know, um, I hope uh, they're not going to be negative. Um, you know, I I've learned that um, you know that uh, negativity never is a way to go. Um, it's always, you know, questions hopefully that will be positive in nature, having people to move forward. Um, so in that category, it would be, uh, you know, I, I hope that, you know, the negativity won't be, you know, not a criticizing type question, you know, or criticizing type remarks, but questions that deal really with learning more about the Catholic Church, one. Another would be more about how that can pertain to them, you know, and then how it can pertain to their own situation that they're there. So I'm okay with people talking about their own situation, as long as, you know, I, I don't want to go into something that's graphic, uh, you know, because, as you said, you know, virtue, uh, you know, there's a fine line between being graphic um, and explaining the situation at a high level so you can, you can work with something. Um, so it would be those categories, those three, one, educational, um, uh, in nature of Catholic Church's teaching, as well as um, you know, uh, applicable to their situation, questions that deals with their, uh, their their situation, as well as the third one being um, you know more about my situation um, and how how that could uh, help them or a friend or something like that. So um, you know, uh, I'm open to those types of questions, but again, not the not the negative kinds. I see. So, like when, uh, say, for example, a caller comes in and uh, they present you with a with a problem, um, what? Give me an example of a negative uh, a negative question. Um, I, I guess um, a lot of them would be things like, um, uh, you know, don't you think that the uh, the Pope is um, uh, a bad Pope? Oh, you know, I, see, I'm not, I see. You know that that you know. Um, don't you think that you know? Um, uh, you know, traditionalists are are this. I know. So that's what I mean by negative. Or you know, or you might have this random non-Catholic person who's calling up that's saying, you know, uh, everyone is going. You know, all Catholics are going to go to hell. Or you know, you guys worship Mary. You know. Um, you know, I, I think that I, the way that I'm presenting here is I'm trying to help people um, and not be a, uh, a kind of like an apologist to to, um, uh, to defend it. Um, you know, it's it's really meant to be a way to help people. Um, and I find that when you get into situations where you're 
people are more um, argumentative, it really doesn't help out. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. um, so I, I hope that it's people who are earnest to really grow in their faith. And, and you know, I look at it as it's their option, whether they want to listen to it or not, and I'm hoping that they will, and I'm hoping they'll grow from it. Um, I will promise you that it will be uh, sound Catholic doctrine, orthodox, um, and, um, and, and very traditional in its nature. Um, I think that what, what uh, today's society is, is, is and even modern, even, you know, Catholics are missing is a lot of the traditional teachings that, that, uh, that come back, you know, teachings like St. Uh, uh, Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, um, and, um, you know, um, all these other great saints and lesser saints, you know, maybe they weren't canonized, that great, wrote some great writings back, you know, um, hundreds of years ago that need to come back and really uh, synthesize that. Because a lot of the changes, transformations that I went through was basically from their readings um, and, 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 uh, and how impactful they were. Yeah, I think um, uh, Bishop Barron, and I mentioned it yesterday on my show, uh, there's a sense of beige Catholicism, meaning that a very watered-down Catholicism where, you know, like say for example, uh, sometimes when I teach RCA, there's some, there's some people that very much issue the idea of theology, like it's too much. So, and, and RCA may not be the perfect place for, um, you know, more complex theology, but certainly we have to draw on the richness of, uh, of our sacred tradition. We have to draw on the richness of the scholarship of the saints that came before us. Otherwise, we're, it's kind of like that old saying, we're going to be doomed to uh, continue to make the same mistakes since we didn't learn the first time. So, yeah, I think uh, definitely, hopefully people will call into your show. You never know. I might even call into your show because I think uh, <laughs> uh, yours is only a couple hours before mine. I might be doing show prep. And, you know, hey, David, uh, while I'm doing show prep, I thought of this. What do you think? So <laughs> we got to be okay. able to – I think that's the cool part about even um, – so this is aside from – Aside from the show, this is just me talking to the audience about my interaction with you. This is one of the things that I really, really do enjoy about uh, WCAT Radio and doing these interviews is that it affords me the opportunity to connect with other faithful people and learn from them. Uh, so even if you're a well-put-together Catholic, don't think that you can't learn. Uh, in my short conversations with with David, uh, you can ask him, I, I don't talk a whole heck of a lot. And he usually will, ha will have to go, hey, Carlos, are you there? Um, that's usually because I'm just, uh, you know, being silent, listening, because he has a lot of good things to say. So with that, I'm going to poke and prod just a little bit more. And I'm going to uh, kind of give you... Uh, kind of give you something that I was struggling with, I finally let go, and your thoughts for, uh, for other people. So this is a business-related thing. So uh, before my deployment, uh, one of the things that I was very engaged, uh, very engaged with was the outdoor industry. I really love to bow hunt. Um, I, I really like the aspect of hunting, camping, and whatnot, David. And... I was recruited by uh, a, a maker of one of the products to help in marketing their product. And, the, uh, and as it unfolded, uh, they, their business grew, and one of the things that they offered me was, hey, how would you like to uh, you know, be the CEO of this small mom-and-pop company? Uh, the owner will be the president but you'll run, the, you'll run the show. Well, lo and behold, they kept postponing it and postponing it. Um, they wouldn't sign the paperwork, but I, would still be do, but I still did the work as if, I, as if I was. 
silly me, too trusting, I guess. And next thing you know, um, I'm no longer part of the company. Now this company has um, finally hit their stride after me being with them. And, I, and for the longest time, I held a grudge because that was a lot of time and effort that I spent uh, building up that company to the point where it, didn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a small grudge. Like deep in my heart, I wanted that company to uh, fail. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough for me that I could just say, I forgive you. It was a, a sort of um, deep-seated envy. And that was tough for me to grapple with. Um, like, and I'm over it now, but say, for example, I called into your show and I presented that to you. What would you say? You know, um, there's so much I can say about that from, from multiple angles, one from a business side, one from the uh, spiritual side. Um, so I'll talk about the uh, spiritual side. Um, you know, it, the spiritual side is really that it's a betrayal. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Um, you, um, you know, the, you trusted this company mm -hmm. to help you out. Um, and, um, you know, it's, you, you, they led you to believe that you would be the CEO and everything um, and make this business deal, and then they betrayed you. Um, and that happens. Um, as I shared with you, my, uh, one of my employees, um, they, um, um, you know, he betrayed me. I mean, he, this, this is a person that literally I had dinner with plenty of times. I trusted him literally like uh, he was my best friend and a brother. Um, he knew everything about my finances. I gave him my trust on the finances. And then, lo and behold, um, you know, he is, um, you know, getting, um, you know, found that he was a bezeling. And it was a shock to me. Uh, the bank, basically, I have a policy of zero cash uh, in my office because I, I prevented, you know, I don't want people to steal money. And uh, the bank called me up and they said, hey, here's money, um, and uh, this guy is stealing money. And all you see is his face, you know, at the bank teller. And I was like, wow. So it is a big shocker. The way that I overcame that was the fact that, you know, I have a very deep spiritual life, and I know that um, that sometimes our suffering can be a catalyst to uh, change a person's heart in the future. So I, what I viewed it was one is that so so how I reacted to this person is I forgave him, I confronted him. Now I could have I could have had him arrested. Now he would have done about uh, 30 to 60 days in jail for the amount of money that he 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 embezzled from me. But I said to him, you know, I forgive you. And I remember when I confronted him, you know, and he was he was literally crying. He was crying, and he, you know, said, "I'm so sorry." And I said to him, I said, "I accept your apology." And I said to him, you know. You need to forgive yourself and change who you are. And I said, you need to learn to love yourself. That's the most important thing. Because at the end, he really didn't love himself. That's why he was that way. And so he became my little Judas in my, my company, uh, betraying me. But, in the, you know, but I realized that for me, that was so rewarding for me because I was able to let go. I was able to forgive a person, you know, and that is what Christ wants. That's what Christ did on the cross. Forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they do. And clearly these people don't. These people don't know what they're doing, okay? They're so wrapped around money or so wrapped around something that they can't even be honest in their dealings. And that will happen, you know. Um, so from a spiritual standpoint, you can rise above that and be like Christ, offer that suffering up, and, you know, and, and, um, and hopefully and pray for them 
that your action will convert them to, for their everlasting soul. Because that's what's really important here is not the money, okay? Um, you know, it's not about the money. It's about their soul. And so that's how I looked at, at um, my employee. I looked at him as a child of God, as really a brother who is in dire straits, you know, that prodigal son. And so I loved him deeply, okay, even though he betrayed me. But again, um, if you let go of that, it's, it's really, really important. And it's, um, you know, and you'll grow. Now, from a business standpoint, I do recommend, because uh, I am a, a businessman, um, that um, you usually have some form of contract that, that, that will <laughs> outline, you know, <laughs> what it is. Um, that's very, very important, you know, uh, in doing that. So I give you some business advice. Um, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but the days of shaking hands are kind of gone with, um, but you do need to have some kind of at least a non-disclosure to kind of, um, you know, help out with what the agreement is or a memorandum of understanding. I mean, I'm sure you do a lot of MOUs um, in the military. MOUs are out here in the, in the private sector as well. Um, so a lot of lessons you're learning in the military you can easily take out in the, in the private sector. Um, so there's a whole facet of it. But from a spiritual standpoint, that's how you grow. And the reason, no, I want to add here real quickly is the reason why I called my show and my ministry purified by fire is because it's this, these fires that, that come up. This, I, I relate the struggle to fire, okay? And um, the fire, in all of these struggles, is what makes that metal or that gold pure. And without these struggles, you can't become pure. All right, just like you can't have fire, but you know that burns the dross of gold. Okay, to make it a pure gold. So all these struggles that you face, that you you come, um, are there to make you a saint. So when I see struggles nowadays, I actually laugh. I I, I actually. You know, uh, two of my key employees just resigned from my, my uh, company. Uh, they are so key to my company, and they just resigned, um, which means I have to work a little harder, uh, more hours, uh, you know, not crazy hours, but, you know, uh, you know and it's worrisome. Um, but I laughed, and I said, God, you just want me to get to be holier now, right? And, uh, and so these struggles, instead of looking at them as, you know, um, Oh, why me? Why, why is God punishing me? Or why is God doing this to me? I look at it as I am so glad God is doing this to me because he can entrust me that I can become holier than what I am now. Okay? You don't become holy by being a couch potato. You become holy because every day he gives you these great challenges. Just like when you, when you run, right? You, you don't um, become stronger by just sitting around. You run a mile after... Uh, a couple of weeks of running a mile, you can then say, why don't you go up two miles, then three miles, then four miles. Before you know it, you're running a marathon. And that's how you become stronger. And that's what God is doing to you. And once you kind of understand that, you'll realize that, man, I love these things that he gives you, all these struggles, you know, because deep down inside, that he, he's entrusting you to become a greater saint than what you really think you can be. Um, and that's, the beauty of a family, that's the beauty of work, uh, if you're a secular, uh, and that's the beauty of our faith, is that all of this struggle becomes uh, a way that we become saints. You know, and, you know, so it does, it's not just only practical in the earthly standpoint, the Catholic Church is teaching, but it's also practical on a heavenly standpoint as well, um, so that when we get to heaven, you'll have all these great merits um, up there because they knew that you struggled. I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I, I joked around and said, you know, if I make it to heaven, I'm going to be pretty embarrassed. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, imagine going to, like, you know, all the, the, the martyrs who were, you know, whipped and scourged and eaten by lions and saying to them, well, how did you get to heaven? It's like, well, I... I I was a businessman, you know, um, you know, and, you know, I, I, I voted for a pro-life, 
um, you know, candidate, and they made fun of me because I was pro-life. Oh, so you weren't eaten by a lion? No, I wasn't. You weren't, um, uh, you know, uh, whipped and scourged? No, I wasn't. But people did call me names. They called me pro-lifer, and, you know, and they did a couple of bad, nasty things to me. I mean, so, you know, we've got to put in a relationship with that. Our struggles really aren't even comparison to the struggles of even the brothers and sisters in the Middle East right now who are being beheaded and, and, uh, and being, um, uh, you know, uh, captured and, and treated badly. So um, think of it as pure joy, you know, um, that you're going through suffering and that God entrusts you with that suffering. I mean, that's the key thing to understand about purified by fire is he's entrusting you with that suffering. He's saying, I made this suffering for you and you because I know you can grow. And you can either run away from it or you can take up that challenge and become the great saint that he's calling you to be. Um, and that's the lesson of, of, of purified fire um, is having that, that change in mentality to understand that this sufferings are actually great rewards for you um, in doing that. So I hope I answered your question, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. Like um, for me, my spiritual director, um, you know, so this happened right before deployment. And during deployment, it was very hard to focus on, on anything uh, but the job. You're working round the clock, seven days a week. Uh, you're traveling to, you know, I got to go to Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, other places uh, that I can't mention. And so I got to go to a lot of these places, but it didn't give me a whole lot of time to sit back and reflect. Well, when I got back here to the United States, my family and I moved. And, I, uh, and when you move in the military and you're a practicing Catholic and a uh, Catholic who wants to grow, that usually means you're going to have to get a new spiritual director, one that you can sit with face to face, uh, face to face. And so I did that, and uh, we were talking about forgiveness. And uh, and you know, academically, I know a lot, but being able to connect, you know, what you know to what you do, that for me, that's one of the reasons why I have a spiritual director. And he was like saying forgiveness. So forgiveness isn't just for the other person. Forgiveness is also for the person forgiving. Because just like you said, you're unburdening yourself with the, that ill will. And, you know, when I thought more about that, reflected on that, I was able to go, you know what? It's fine. Okay, so what? I'm not making hundreds of thousands of dollars right now, even though that it was my work. What do I is what I have really not enough? And um, I looked at it and going, man, this is definitely more than more than enough what I have right now. So I'm still blessed. And you know it, w what he does is between him and God. And I, I just pray for him that he uh, he comes back to comes back to his senses and lives in a godly manner. But you know, that's one of the things that's really cool about your show as we wrap up is that in a sense, it's almost a radio version of spiritual direction. So for those who don't have a spiritual director and you kind of want to have a taste of what it feels like, listen to David's show. You know, it, you know as you know, I'm, normally I would play the outro music, but I'm having technical difficulties. But uh, on the wrap up, on this week's episode of I Thought You'd Like to Know. Many thanks to all who are listening and special thanks to David. For all our listeners out there, I'm going to tell you this right now. Do yourself a spiritual favor and mark your calendars. On 23 February at 4 p.m. Eastern, again, 23 February at 4 p.m. Eastern, tune into Purified by Fire with David Cease where he'll coach you through some of life's difficult challenges and help bring peace, love, and joy in your life, work, and relationships. But before we finish, David, you gave us a beautiful opening prayer. Would you also like to offer the closing prayer? Uh, yes, I would. 
to um, let's begin with in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this fellowship uh, that we brought together in this radio station. We pray um, that we imitate your um, your your daughter, the Blessed Mary, your spouse, Our Lady, and your mother. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And, last, and uh, one more time, again, Purified by Fire, 23rd February, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be every Friday after that. It'll be a live show where you get to talk with Mr. David Cease. Again, do not miss it. Do yourself a spiritual favor. And until next time, this is your host, Carlos Percebe, standing in for Bob Olson on this week's episode of I Thought You'd Like to Know. Thank you all, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.